step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. So it's come to our attention that some of you are no longer listening. Well... So we think. And then the others, wait, this is kind of a stupid question because those that are listening are listening to what we're saying today. So Seth and Sean's Watch Radio here on Blog Talk Radio, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, live from Toronto, Canada, yet another country which I have done the show. And it seems like this is maybe, what, 10 countries that we've done the show? Maybe eight. I hate it, you. It, it's getting up. It's getting up there. You hate me, yeah. I know. I hate you. Look, you you have two kids, or you will have two kids. No, I have. No, I have well, one kid. There's no second kid you, that I am aware of at this point. If not, I would okay, have a very angry and probably ex-wife. So you have one one in a spud, one in a spud. One That's the way we'll Fine. call it. One in a spud. So you have one in a spud, and and the second one will be coming, and and she'll be a, a little darling girl that that you will dote on and I will be traveling more of the country or more of the world. Uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting because I don't know where the shows are going to be located in May and June as I'm going to, I think it's six or seven countries in three and a half weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, this was supposed to just push a button on Seth. And I think it's just working and working and working here during the middle of the day in that I'm going to seven countries in three and a half weeks. So I'm thinking it'll be England and then France, and then we'll see your underpants. No. And then uh, Germany and maybe uh, Spain. But we'll see what happens in May and June. For today, we have Seth's favorite time of the year is coming up, tax season. Tax season. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's his most profitable time of the year. His favorite time of the Fair. year, the NCAA tournament, is coming up, a uh, Big Ten tournament starting next week, along with the ACC tournament. Both in New York, which is, well, yeah, both in New York, one in Brooklyn and one in New York in MSG. So we can safely say that New York, once again, is the mecca of college basketball for a week. It is. Um, Actually, I believe the Big Ten tournament is a week before they actually do the the picks. They they hold the draft uh, special this year, which is a bit unusual. I'm not sure why. Yeah, because I believe... Well, think about it this way. It's next week. Is yeah, the, is I the did Big think Ten that tournament. was a week early. And, and we don't. And typically, the tournament starts around March seventeenth, March eighteenth. So that'll be you know that'll be the weekend of well, March third. And yeah, so selection the, Sunday is on March eleventh. So you're right. Yeah. Right. So you'll be done for a full week. Yeah. Um, Maryland, well, Maryland's done for <laughs> Maryland's gonna be done for a lot longer than that, unfortunately. It, uh, even knowing we won on the road this week, road last night, it's not looking good for unless we make a big run in the in the conference final, but, in the conference tournament. But Seth, does doesn't that go basically to the same point that the Big Ten used to not have a tournament at all? So this is basically right. the same thing. You've been waiting for you'll be waiting for a week because that's what you were doing anyway. You were basically waiting for a week. You're just yeah. earlier than everybody else. So no no difference in your no difference in your time frame except for the fact that you don't remember when you were waiting for a week because you weren't part of that conference. So <laughs> that I mean Maryland's still a newbie to that conference along with Rutgers. So the fact is you'll be waiting a week, you'll be waiting for you'll be bubble watching. I'm not exactly sure if you're even on the bubble right now. Uh, a couple of good I wins in the Big Ten tournament, and you'll be back on it. Yeah, we play Michigan to run. We play Michigan on Sunday, which is our last game of the year. 
And having lost to Michigan, controversially, is not even the beginning point. Up one with three seconds left and a stupid, just a terrible play by terrible defensive setup by Turgeon. Um, and we, he hit a free throw. Uh, their guy hit two free throws with one second left, and we lost by a point. We don't have a top 50 win yet. So oh, that's a problem. To me, <laughs> yeah, I would think so. So Michigan would be nice, and then my feeling is we would have to make a run to the finals. Um, we don't now, really have to those... terrible losses, but we'd have, that means we'd have to beat either Michigan State or Purdue. Yeah, to those that are unaware and new to the show, just so you know, Seth and I talk a lot about Syracuse and Maryland because we are grads, and we are very uh, attuned to those two conferences. That's not to say that we have a Big East, bi- uh, sorry, Big East, an East Coast bias because Seth, for some reason, likes the Pac-10 a lot. And see, well, I know why because he's up at two in the morning watching the games, so he seems <laughs> to have an affinity for late night TV, especially when it's college football and college basketball. So it's not that we have an East Coast bias. It's that we went to East Coast schools. So it's a matter of that's why we know and we talk a lot about Syracuse and Maryland and the, and the, well, the formerly known as the Big East, ACC, and the Big Ten. And just so you're aware, I know we do have new listeners to the show every once in a while. I just needed to level set where we are today. So next week we have the Big Ten tournament, which Seth and I will be going to at least one of the games. Uh, we're hoping it's a Friday uh, afternoon game. That would be great for my work schedule. Um, gods above, if you can help me out with this, uh, Friday afternoon or even Thursday afternoon would be would be most helpful. Uh, so we got that, and then the next week will be the ACC tournament. And, you know, Seth, you asked me a question last week. What is it like to always be on the proverbial bubble? And I didn't really have an answer for you last week because I wasn't prepared for the question. But over the last week, Syracuse has lost to North Carolina State at home and then had a good win. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a mind-blowing win, but definitely a good win on the road. And it's very important, these road wins. And it doesn't matter if it's a worse team or a better team. If you win on the road for the NCAA selection committee, it is far more important than winning at home. And it doesn't matter what the team is as long as they're in the same quadrant. So we, beat North, we lost North Carolina State home. We beat a very good Miami team on the road. And we have a couple of going forward. But to your question of what is it like to be on the proverbial bubble, it's heartbreaking, I think, is the question, right? Because Syracuse was never on the proverbial bubble. We were, up until about five years ago, we didn't even know what the bubble was. We had made the tournament probably 20 out of the last 23 years, maybe even longer than that. And we didn't even know what it was. But the teams that Syracuse has, and I think you can ask this, I think college basketball has become the haves or the have-nots. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think you have those top 25 teams that are always in the tournament right now. They're always going to be there. They get the top recruits. They're always going to be there. Then you have once in a while a team that, like say Miami or Clemson right now, that is in that middle grade that once in a while they have a really, really good team and they, they go forward. And then they have, most of the time, they're on the proverbial bubble. And I think Syracuse has, bec- unfortunately, become one of those teams, at least while the sanctions were being done. And the sanctions are over this year. So next year we have a top, I think it's a top 10 recruiting class, along with some of the returners that we have this year. And we're back to normal I don't know, 12 players on the team, at least scholarship players, instead of eight, which we have right now. Would you agree with that? you got 20 top teams, and then everybody else is actually bubble all the time. That's what it seems like, and we've kind of regressed to the mean in, in that regard as well. Um, although the last couple of years, we've been, we haven't really been on the bubble, but we've been, there's been really no hope for us going in, um, especially okay. last year again, last year. Uh I think it's fair. I also think I want to withhold judgment on anything going forward until we see how the FBI – I mean, the FBI oh, yeah. apparently is, is – this, this is going to be enormous. Um, the FBI has kind of took over for the NCA, their investigation in regards to Adidas in Louisville. And what we're looking at is it's saying 20, 30, 40 potential colleges that may be implicated in the scandal, which would for all intents and purposes annihilate college basketball. 
I did find it ironic that Roy Williams talked about how confident he was that North Carolina would be exempt, <laughs> considering they just <laughs> considering what's happened with them over the last couple of years, seemingly the last decade. Um, you know, Huckleberry Roy doesn't really seem to be too in tune. Either he's oblivious or just negligent. I don't know which one. You, you're the lawyer. You can tell me which is which is more. Which is the, which is the correct verbiage to use? Um, but I well, do Seth, think there's. Think I think about there's it a, this way. Think about it this way. They got away with everything, yep. right? In the last ten years, everything that came down, the basketball team was impervious to. Nothing happened to them. If you're Agreed. Roy Williams, do you care? I mean, you you could say that my team has been. Is not going to. I don't think he's ever he's ever said we weren't involved. I just think he says I don't care. We're not going to feel anything. There's nothing going to happen to us. <laughs> and based oh, on oh no, he is. I think he has said that he, that they are not involved. I think he's been pretty adamant that that the hmm. basketball team has done nothing wrong. Well, um, the NCAA said the basketball team did nothing wrong for the last ten years. So I guess right. that's my the only point. point. What, yeah, whether they've done nothing wrong legitimately or they it comes to the conclusion that they've done nothing wrong are two entirely different things. Uh, you and I believe that North Carolina basically should have had their head in a handbasket and yeah. get, basically groveling, right, based on what happened, especially in light of some of the other sanctions that have taken place for far lesser offenses. Now – who can, they have passed precedent on their side. They, they've become immune to anything that's gone on. If I'm Roy Williams, I'm holding my hat and saying, I'm good. It doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter what they come down with. There's not going to be any punishment based on past precedents because I'm North but, Carolina. But, yeah, but here's the thing. You know, this is not a criminal case. There's no double jeopardy. So... This is the FBI going, not the inept NCAA who goes after Robert Morris and uh, bleeping Cleveland State. This is now the FBI. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not sure the the immune, you know, the arrogance that you're, you know, we're stating in regards to the to the Tar Heel State, um, you know, kind of coincides anymore. Sure if there's something there, because the F- well, the FBI is going to find something, right? But the FBI has no purview over the NCAA. And what I say, what I, what I mean by that, is if they find out that Roy Williams is taking bribes, they can certainly throw him in jail. Yeah, but they can't I force the NCAA. No, no, no. My point is, they can't force the NCAA to say you can't be in the tournament. They have no, they have no jurisdiction over that. They have no jurisdiction over the NCAA rules. They have jurisdiction crim- criminally. They can find X, Y, and Z, and they can punish within the extent of their purview, which means you're going to jail, you have to pay a fine, you're going to probation, or so on and so forth. But as far as the legislation of whether somebody is losing a scholarship or not going to the tournament or having – that's all within the NCAA. So if Roy's like, hey, you know what, we took a bribe, blah, 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 but you know what? The NCAA is never going to come down on us anyway because we're North Carolina. All right, See, that, person, that, uh, that booster may go to jail, but they're not going to be banned from the NCAA tournament. But that I'm not as sure on. Because, you know, look, the NCAA completely dropped the ball in regards to Carolina on this other thing. But if the, I am not sure, again, we're talking contingent on what we're discussing here. We have no idea the breadth of crime, the breadth of crimes, whether Carolina committed one or any school committed one. But sure. I, I have to imagine that if they come down on some, Carolina, will just use since that's we've been that's that's the example we're discussing. If they have legitimate findings similar to what Louisville went through, what happened with Louisville, or something along those, you know, along those guidelines, I cannot imagine the NCAA. Would would step away from it or turn their head on it? I just don't, because then at well, that point you might as well just just dissolve it because it has absolutely no it has no power whatsoever. Well, we have Again, not seen see. first. 
Seth, Louisville is still eligible for the tournament this year. This year, but there will be. Louisville. There will be. I'm the assuming thing, there will be. Okay, please. Yeah, the only thing that we've seen is that Patino and Jurich have lost their jobs. And I'm sorry, and, and Bruce Bowen is no longer eligible. Brian but, Bowen. Or eligible at Louisville. Sorry, Brian Bowen is eligible at Louisville. He he signed somewhere else. He was signed with South Carolina. So he got the money, reportedly, and is still playing. So where is the where is the uh, NCAA coming down on that? So his t- supposedly his, his family got money, which means he got money. He should be ineligible, no? Yeah, he absolutely should be ineligible. So, I my gut my I, I don't know why. I don't have an answer. I want to see how this plays out before I absolutely destroy the NCAA. I mean, I think it's just ridiculous <laughs> that they have that there are no sanctions. But if you're going to come down on 20 or 30 schools, and the, like I'm not embellishing, this is the number that we're hearing. And I have to imagine these are not all the Robert Morrises or the Fordhams of the world. So if we're coming down on 20 or 30 big time schools. Let's see how you know. Let's see how this plays out first, because we don't know when it's going to come out. I don't have. A, I don't know when. I don't. Do you have any idea? But the no, thought is no. There, and the, the F- thought is this is significant. And, yeah, and the FBI has no. There, there's no timing for this. There's no timing. I mean, table. that's the. Yeah. In, in some in some ways, that's what the good thing is about the FBI, is that the FBI, it's a criminal case. It's not. It's. It, 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 yeah, a a defendant is uh, entitled to a fast and speedy trial. What that means, in the case of legal jurisprudence, is very vague. So, and and unfortunately, it seems like some of the prosecution's case has been uh, slowly dissipating. In that, there's been one of the um, one of the arresting officers has supposedly taken bribes. I I, I haven't followed it so much. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happens during. It only happens what happens after, the fallout from it. And you're going to – I mean, there are reports, as, as Seth said, that it could be 40 to 50 schools, including 10 to tw- 50% of the top 25. So if this came down before the tournament – now, granted, that's, what, three weeks away. The reports were that half of the top 25 would be out of the tournament. That's okay if Syracuse is still in, because that means we're no longer a bubble team. Totally <laughs> infinite. No, really, I, I do not want that to happen, because the last thing I want is for us to make the tournament, win the tournament in a year. I don't want to be the, what is it, I don't want to be the San Antonio Spurs during the strike year, or during the lockout year, in which, in, in which the, nobody really thinks that that title counted. Um, but that is what's going to happen, and there will be some major fallout. I would suspect that we'll see most of it during the summer. Uh, I, I think, think the so stuff well. will be decided. And why during the summer? At least from the NCAA's point of view, A, they have more time, and B, less people care. And that is true. It, you're, and you're gonna, I, I think that's where it's going to come out, is that less people actually care. Okay, so let's, let's switch gears a little bit to people that care. So – Last week, I think it's last week. It may have been two weeks ago. No, it was last week. We had the shootings in Parkland, a, a destructive and very sad occurrence that happened down in Florida. And we heard thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Thought, and this is not a political show, and I'm not going there. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And LeBron James, who we all know LeBron James speaks his mind when he wants to. He has every right to do such. Speaks his mind. Kevin Durant speaks his mind. And pundits on political shows come down and say, basically, stay on the court. Shut up and stay on the court. And this comes back to a Charles Barkley question a couple of years ago. It might be a decade ago at this point. Are athletes role models? Should athletes have an opinion that matter? And they haven't been elected They've been given gifts, and, man, they've been given gifts because I wish I could dunk a basketball without a trampoline once in a while. But 
the fact is they've been given these gifts. And because of that, they do stand up. And because of that, even more to the point today, they stand up and have opinions. What was your take? And I'm not sure you heard the, the, the bit. Uh, the Fox correspond, uh, Fox uh, commentator it said yeah. to Kevin Durant and, and LeBron, basically stay on the court and shut up. I mean, you have nothing to say here. You know my feelings on this. Is why should they shut up? They have, they have you went you went to well. speakerphone, dude, because we can barely hear you. Okay. You know my feelings on this. Hold on. It's very simple. Um, LeBron James and Kevin Durant have have every damn right to say whatever they want. Um, you know, I have no interest in Dr. Laura's opinion. I never have, never will. And why shouldn't they? They are the role models of of the youth, not Dr. Laura. They're who people look. You know, the whole idea of your I am you know the sports. I am not a role model uh, from Charles Barkley in 1995. You know, or Michael Jordan's. You know, I'm not wow. Democrat or Republican. Wow. I sell shoes. You know, that's I mean that still plays a part, but the reality is, of course, they're damn role models. And the difference is LeBron and Kevin Durant more embrace it. Now, they embrace it by also taking stances that they feel are correct. And these are, it was certainly not unreasonable stances. And, you know, so to me, I think they should damn well be speaking out. I have no problem with it, even if I disagree on certain aspects of it, and I'm not claiming that I do. You know, they have, I think LeBron has 40 million followers, average, give or take, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and in, or Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, all that stuff. You think they're? You think Dr. Laura has forty million? These are who people. Ladies and gentlemen, to. you you can tell our age first of all that it was in 1995, and I called it like five years ago. That's number one, and number two, <laughs> in the fact that Seth just said LinkedIn, Twitter, or uh, he he missed Twitter by the way, LinkedIn, Facebook, Snapchat, or any of those other things. <laughs> because he missed the most important one. <laughs> we're we're just not in a, we we're we're we're, we're basically straddling the technological age. We have the beginning of the internet, we have today, and we forget some of the stuff in the middle because that's where we were. But I agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. I think that back when Barkley said it, there wasn't the medium that there is today. And and we can acknowledge that in 1995, the internet had just started. Netscape Navigator was your uh, your internet portal, if you can even remember that. And I, AOL IM, which actually just closed this year, was just starting out along with Yahoo Messenger, which hasn't which has been defunct for over a decade. And those were the things that we had. So. While Charles Barkley had stated at the time, I am, no, I am not a role model, Charles Barkley never came out and said anything to the extent that LeBron and Kevin Durant did in this case. They did, he didn't put himself out that way. So I think he in some did, ways but when you put much yourself – later, much, much, he did, but not during the prime of his basketball career. I think he right. spoke a lot more kind of after the fact. Um, and in the early 2000s, he started to speak out when his – his basketball career was diminishing. Correct. So I, I totally agree with you. I really think that that is the case. And if, look, if we, if you, Seth, if you want to say something and you have 40 million followers, first of all, God bless you. And second of all, congratulations. I mean, our, show doesn't have four, and, our show doesn't have 40 million followers. Well, that's followers. what I was going to say. Please, if you have 40 million followers on your Twitter account, please use that to publicize the show. Because I've yet to see it come across my Twitter feed that Seth has been publicizing the show. But that being said, I think you have every right. I have every right. And you can do that if you please, but understand that the backlash that comes with it, right? You are certainly entitled to your opinion. However, and I don't have any problem with what Dr. Laura said, because that's her opinion. I don't. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's the correct opinion. But she's entitled to that opinion the same way that Kevin Durant is and the same way that LeBron James is. Again, I don't agree with it. But that doesn't mean that she shouldn't have the right to say it. She absolutely should. Just 
because otherwise it's infri- otherwise it's infringement on it's an infringement on free speech. Right. Well, otherwise <laughs> it's exactly what she's saying that Kevin Durant and LeBron James shouldn't do. Right? Yeah. They shouldn't have an opinion because they're a ball player. Well, why not? You're you can have your opinion too. Your opinion is that they shouldn't have one. I don't think it's correct. But you sure sh- Wow, I almost cursed on the air. You sure as hell are allowed to have it in whatever manner that you do and in whatever manner that you speak of. So Kevin uh, Durant and LeBron James also played a game this week. They played one game. I'm I'm actually in Toronto this week, and I was looking for a Raptors game, and, of course, I'm here during the NBA All-Star break, which I believe ends on Thursday, Friday night, which is unfortunate because then I'm leaving. But did you watch any of the NBA All-Star game? Did you watch the slam dunk? Did you watch any of the festivities? Let's put it that way. The whole week. I, very, very little. Um, I saw the last five minutes of the slam dunk contest because with a pregnant wife and a one-year-old, I'm not exactly going out, uh, going out boozing till 2 a.m. So they were asleep Darn by it. 10. I went in and was switching between that and the Olympics and some of the, box, and some of the boxing. Um, boxing. I did, I, yes, boxing. Oh, There's not Olympic talk. boxing. Just boxing. No, no, no regular okay, boxing. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. So there was a. Um, so I, I saw the Donovan Mitchell dunk. I saw the Larry Nance dunk. I thought they were kind of neat. Um, but and I watched. I didn't see any. I don't think I saw more than a minute of the All Star game. Um, Okay. You know, I thought out of what I understand, it was a really, it was a much more, it was a much better game than in prior years. Um, I saw, and I saw on SportsCenter the Durant and James kind of double teaming Stephen Curry the last 30 seconds, which was kind of fun to watch. But um, I don't have any great desire to watch. All-Star games don't mean very much to me, to be perfectly honest. Ladies and gentlemen, Seth is now being perfectly honest because he lies to the rest of the public all the rest of the time. So he must say he needs to be perfectly honest. And now he's being 41. He's <laughs> Okay, so anyway. I watched, believe it or not, I watched all of Saturday night, 100% of it. I'm not sure what that, that says about me. my social life. But uh, well, I offered in, a in sarcasm. Yeah, no, that's serious. That's, that shocks me. I offered you a Sporkle game, and you watched. In... <laughs> no, I went to bed right after the All Star, after it, and that was after you offered the Sporkle game afterwards. Fair enough. Right after. So anyway, so I watched all of it. I came home, and um, I knew I was traveling this week, so I kind of laid low and conserved funds uh, this week, this weekend, and I watched start to finish. I watched the skills competition, then I watched the uh, slam dunk championship, and I think there was something in the middle, but whatever. The three-point contest? And the three-point contest, right. So the three-point contest, wow. I mean, I know how hard it is for moderate, for, for people that are not in the NBA to shoot a three-pointer. Even you, Seth. I mean, look, you're, you're a pretty good basketball player. I, I give you that. But – it takes effort for you to shoot a three-pointer. It does. It takes anybody that's not legitimately an NBA player or a college player effort to shoot a three-pointer. And these guys are shooting like 40 in a minute or 50 in a minute, and they're making like 60% of them so effortlessly. Like Clay Thompson just looks like he is the perfect form of – like perfect form. And all they get is net every time. It, it was quite impressive. I think the three-point contest actually impressed me more than anything else. The skills competition, I gave a lot of credit to Joel Embiid. And it's funny because he didn't win. And people thought that he cheated. But here's the reason I give him credit. He read the rules. I'm not sure if you absolutely know what I'm talking about. Do you have any idea no what I'm talking about here? No clue. Okay. So, so Joel Embiid went against uh, Lou what, – what's the uh, Bulls guy? Lou Markinen? Yeah, the uh, the guy from Arizona. Yeah, yeah Lou, Lou Markin. That's his name, right? Lou Markin. Yeah. All right. So the first stage of the of the skills competition is you dribble a basketball and you have to pass it through uh, this little net, right? So you get three yep. balls. 
So what did so Joel Embiid? This is the second round. Marketing makes it on his first shot. Uh, Embiid misses. So he takes two balls and he just shoots them really quick. And th- I mean, he shoots them and they go nowhere near the the bucket. And then keeps running. And he goes in his three pointer. And he actually uh, he didn't make he didn't beat Marketing. But the Twitter verse was all up in arms saying that Embiid had not hit his, so he couldn't continue on to the next round. He couldn't continue on to shooting the three because he hadn't gotten his in the basket. And his remark on Twitter was fantastic. He said, I have no balls left. What am I supposed to throw in? And the rules read that either you can get one in or you can just shoot your three balls at the net and once it's completed, you're done. So he just shot him as quickly as possible and went on. And the Twitterverse is like, he cheated, he cheated. He's like, I just followed the rules. Sounds like something I would do. I would find the workaround. So yeah, that, 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 is, that, that, that is the, that is the, Sean, pa- pa- the Sean Palmer motto. <laughs> I will find, what, the, find work- the workaround. <laughs> I will find the workaround. Yeah, well. How are you traveling? Why do you yes, think the hard way? There you go. Why do things the hard way when you can do things the easy way? And this is the easy way for Joel Embiid. He did try on the first one and couldn't do it. So he got rid of the next to the last. So you watch the last part of the slam dunk contest. Did you see Larry Nance's double dunk? I did. I thought that, I thought that was, thought that was cool. ridiculously impressive. So Larry Nance, first of all, put on his father's gear. This is Larry Nance Jr. put on his father's gear. And which is awesome. This was like the retro all-star game, all-star slam dunk contest. Everybody had a retro. I'm not exactly sure if I like it because that means that there are, there's no creativity left and everybody's done everybody's dunk. There's like nothing left to do. Although jumping over Kevin Hart was kind of awesome for Donovan Mitchell. So Kevin Hart is like shorter than me. I was going to say, to be is, fair, I could probably jump over Kevin Hart. So... <laughs> Wow. Is that with or without a trampoline? With a trampoline, of course. With a trampoline. Okay. So, anyway, so Larry Nance basically shot it, went up. You know the uh, old layup drills where you put it off the backboard and everybody just keeps jumping and puts it off the back? Well, he put it off the backboard to himself and then did a windmill dunk. It was amazing, rather impressive. And only did I learn afterwards, did you know that the Cleveland Cavaliers have retired Larry Nance Sr.'s jersey? I'm not surprised. Um, I, I didn't know that. But when you, he was really the first borderline great player that Cleveland had because he preceded yeah. uh, Bill D- Brad Doherty and preceded Mark Price. So, Correct. you know, Cleveland in the, in, for 15 years was kind of nothing land. Um, well, they had Ted so, Steffen, so yeah. <laughs> right. They traded pretty much yeah. every. They traded a uh, disaster. So you know, once I think it was Gordon Gunn came in. Although I may be off a little bit on my timing on on who on who replaced. But I know Gunn was one of the one of the one of, was an owner there for a long time. You know, they built a really good team around Price, Doherty, and Larry Nance. So I'm yes. not surprised. So Nance came to the Cavaliers in the Kevin Johnson deal. So it was Lance, Mike Sanders, and Detroit's number one pick for to Cleveland for Kevin Johnson, Mark West, Ty- Tyrone Corbin, and Cleveland really? first. Yeah. That surprises me. I thought Nance preceded yeah, so he, Mark Price. So he so played he was, he was, in he played in he played in Phoenix until eighty seven, eighty eight, and then came to Cleveland in eighty eight, eighty nine. And I believe Darty was the number one pick in the '86 draft. It was no, the it Roy Hinson trade. It wasn't. I don't think it was '86. I think it was '88. But I'll look it up. So continue, please. Okay. So the fact is that Nance was there at the same time, but he was the first guy. He was the first in their prime All Star when he came to. So when he came to Cleveland, he averaged nine rebounds a game and. Uh, he came his last season in Phoenix, nine rebounds a game, 21 points a game, and then averaged 16 and eight, at least 16 and eight the rest of his career in Cleveland, which you, is you were right, six 86. more years. 
Hey, you see, I know first round Good picks. That, there you I, go. Thank you, thank you. I pat myself on the back. So when he, when Larry Nance Jr. was traded for to Cleveland, it's amazing because from what I've read, both Larry Nance and Larry Nance Jr. called the Cavaliers at the exact same time, and Larry Nance Sr. called and said, "Please unretire my number, so Larry Nance Jr. can have it." What do you think Larry Nance Jr. did? He called to say, keep him retired, I'll take a different number. Exactly. That is exactly what happened. I think that that's awesome. I think the fact that they both called at the same time and said the opposite of what just honor the the other person is is a great thing. And Senior has consistently said, um, I will try again this summer to get him to take my number. And I I thought that was an amazing thing that happened at the All-Star game. Okay. So go past that. I, th- I also think they was robbed. Donovan Mitchell had a gr- Donovan Mitchell had great ups, but that double dunk should win everything. By the way, how awful is that Utah Jazz uniform? The orange pretty one. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the, have horrendous. you seen the court? The court's the same color. Yeah, it was. Utah it Jazz was... court is the exact same color. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. So anyway. I thought the All-Star – I did not watch most of the All-Star game. I know. I watched the skills, but I didn't watch the All-Star game. Did you know that the All-Star game actually got a worse rating than the Pro Bowl still? Wow. I find that hard to believe. That, sho- that shocks me. And it was – That absolutely It was legitimate. I, I think the, the rating for the Pro Bowl was like a six, and the rating for for – the NBA All-Star game was like a four. I mean, it was legitimate. It wasn't like 5.3 to 5.2. It was legitimate increase. And that just tells you how popular football still is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what goes on. football, And it gives credence to, to Vince McMahon trying another football league. I see no reason why he shouldn't do that if he can make money. And I think that he will. And the All-Star game, I watched, like I said, I, I watched very little of what I did. It was pretty nice. I like seeing defense. And there were fouls called. I thought it was going to be like a pick-me-up game with, with no defense again. But you kept hearing on the broadcast and you kept reading that how embarrassed the players were last year by the lack of defense and the lack that the sport, uh, the lack of actually legitimacy that the game was. So I – effort that was given. I really liked that, and I really liked the fact that um, Anthony Davis took DeMar... I I kept looking. I was like, he's wearing DeMarcus Cousins' uniform. Like, did he just mess up and take the wrong uniform? I mean, they're about the same size. He certainly could have done that. But nope, he actually purposely wore DeMarcus Cousins' uniform. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know. So, yeah. So, so we're back to the NBA, and... uh, it's Sir Tankalot, I think, is the end result. Very much, it, I believe that if the NCAA had a lottery, it would look very much like it does today in the NBA. You'd have those 20 teams. Well, you'd have those 20 teams vying for the top spots, and then you'd have everybody else tanking. And that's what's going to happen in the NBA in, in, the, in the next two to three months. It's going to be really, really sad. As to how I know they tried to re, to improve the lottery for this by giving more teams um, a shot at the number one slot, but I don't think it's really going to help matters as far as tanking. There's going to be a lot of it. I mean, I think that there were like eight or nine teams within the bottom ten, within the bottom uh, bottom four. I mean, yeah, it's really I'm actually, sad. I'm looking at the standings right now, and I'm gonna. I just moved, went to them as well. Okay. So Phoenix is 18 and 41, Dallas 18 and 40, Sacramento 18 and 39, Memphis 18 and 38, the Lakers 23 and 34. Yep. Um, now the Lakers with guys like Isaiah Thomas and Brooke Lopez, it may be a little bit tougher to tank because they have they're not going to yeah, be there those, and have no reason to tank. Right, so those four um, at the bottom. And then you go to the East. You have Atlanta at 18 and 41, Orlando at 18 and 39, and Brooklyn at 19 and 40. Brooklyn's not going to tank Keep going. because – well, I'm going to go up in a little bit, but Brooklyn's not going to tank because they don't have their first-round pick this year. 
Correct. So this is the last year of the. So I expect them actually to have a pretty decent second half because they're going to be. They're they're also very young. They're going to be playing very aggressively. Um, Chicago they're also 20, playing these teams that are trying to tank. Well, that's well, that's my point. And Chicago yeah. twenty and thirty seven. The Knicks twenty three and thirty six. Charlotte twenty four and thirty three. So oh. I wouldn't be surprised if Brook if Brooklyn ended up kind of at the almost at the thirty win barrier when this is all said yep. and done, because. And that was my prediction in the beginning of the year, because I think, as you said, of these teams, I'd say probably at least seven or eight of them are going to really blatantly tank. Including the Knicks. And, oh, yeah, including the Knicks. I mean, without Porzingis, they, they traded Herman Gomez. The problem with the Knicks is I don't even know what they go for. Unless what they end they up go with a top Seriously? Two. Oh, no, assuming they're not a top two or three pick. Assuming All right, they can't so let's get Bob or they can't get Upton or uh, DeAndre. Fine, so you, uh, yeah, got, you know who the perfect need, guy for that team is? The perfect guy for that team is Marvin Bagley Jr. You don't think That's he's a contract guy? You don't think he's – you think he, he'll correlate well with Porzingis? It's not going to be – I do because I, guys. because I think – because I think Porzingis so, can play more on the outside then and utilize Porzingis, his skills. can be more down low. It could be. The, the the other thing that they could use is a solid two guard because they don't have one of those either. They don't have but a shooter. I don't think Not one. Hardaway's inconsistent at best. And I don't think, you know, the problem you're looking at is I don't think there's a two guard coming out um, that's gonna that's thought of that high. Guys like Mikel Bridges okay. and, uh, you know, and we'll talk about the draft a month, a month and a half from now. Yeah. But Trey Young, first of all, Trey Young scares the crap out of me. A month um, to a month you know, and a half. When do you think this draft is coming? Draft no, we'll talk June, more dude. About, we'll, June, but we'll talk more about <laughs> it. I understand. But we'll talk more about right, it fair. after the playoffs are set. Um, but I, I'm – where thing is can go – yeah, I'm curious to see where – well, again, after the first four, it's very top-heavy. And so yes. we'll see how it plays out. Um, yeah. But there will be a lot of teams looking at these two big centers – the two big centers looking at Bagley, looking at Young, looking at uh, – Dondrid, uh, crap. The guy from uh, Real Madrid, Luka Dondrid, yep. I think his name is. Um, you know, those are your top four or five. And then after that, it's a pretty, pretty strong fall, a pretty big slide. So that's why that's why there is such a kind of want and need to, to for the tank for the tank, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely goes once you get past Donich. You got the Wendell Carters, you got the Trey Youngs, you got the Bombas. I mean, Bomba would be another guy that you'd look at. But it, if you're looking for the Knicks, I mean, let's if we're strictly looking for the Knicks, the guys that they would be looking for, look, Kevin Knox would be a great pick for them. That would actually be a perfect pick for them if they, lo- if they go down into the 7, 8, 9 range. That would be a guy that I would look for them to get. A shooting guard, small forward, he's 6'9", he comes out of Kentucky, he's a young guy, likes to run, or a Miles Bridges out of Michigan State. Those guys, if you're looking at the eight, seven, eight, nine uh, area, that would be where I'd look but, for but they're the not, Knicks. The problem is they're not two guards. They're all swingmen. They're all threes. Now, you can say they could be, they could be I guess you could put them at the well, two. You, well, you could but put Hardaway at the two. I don't think there's a natural... See, I think to me, Hardaway is a three. So I guess that's the. Okay. I when I you know again we'll see how this plays out, but there there isn't a definitive number two that I a two guard that I can think of. And yeah, I'll, I'll take a I quick mean, look while. Yeah, you know, it's Gary just, Trent or, or Lonnie Walker. Those are the guys, but they're they're much further down. The guy yeah. that you if you want to if you want a shooting guard up top, and there may be one one legitimate one, it would be Konich. Who's the the shoot the small forward? Uh, sorry, the shooting guard, small forward, Donich. Excuse me, shooting guard, small right. forward, out of out of Real Madrid. Out of Real Madrid. He's reportedly going. He's reportedly going number one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he's reportedly so going not, number one. No, I get what I mean, you're saying. Running, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because I I look through these guys in the you know Jaron Jackson's really kind of stepped up. Bomba's big. Michael Porter, but no one's seen Michael. But Michael Porter is a forward. Is six ten. He's a forward. Yeah. Colin, you know, yeah. Colin Sex. I mean. There's no definitive. I'm looking right now very quickly at the Yahoo draft preview, which yeah, is beating. There's nobody there. 
Yeah, Mikhail, Mikhail Bridges from Villanova, number eight, and he's kind of a swingman at six seven. You know, I'm looking for a straight small, uh, straight shooting guard. I'm up to number sixteen, numbers eighteen. Yeah. The yeah, first one is Lonnie it's Walker. Gary Trent Jr. Or Gary Trent yeah. Jr. Yeah, those guys. And Walker impressed the crap out of me, by the way, watching him against Syracuse. But that doesn't necessarily I haven't mean seen him play. in the top ten. Yeah, he right. he played very well. But okay, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. The point was the second half of the NBA season is going to be the haves and the have-nots. You're going to see. I think you're going to see some some fantastic records, and then I guess, you're going to see some the the last the second half or the bottom half of the NBA is going to be just bloody awful. I mean, it's just going to be tank, 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 tank. And quite frankly, I'm not sure that you can do anything about it. No, you can't. I, I mean, what? I mean, you can make. I, I've seen the. Um, I've seen the proposal that teams, after they get knocked out, proportionally, whoever gets the most points, we get the first first pick in the draft. I think you're just making that too complicated. I mean, if you're going to tank, do it. But there are teams that, even since they've tanked, they've done nothing. So it has nothing to do with necessarily getting the right players. It's the right players in the right structure, right? I mean, Aaron Gordon came right. out, he was a number three pick, and he's doing nothing in – not nothing, but the team is doing nothing. So I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that eliminating the concept of a lottery or tanking is going to get you where you need to be anyway. But what did you think of Adam Silver's proposal of 1 through 16? You, you still go 1 through 8. In the, in the conferences, but once the conferences are set up, so you have eight teams in the Eastern, eight teams in the Western, then you just merge them all, and the playoffs are one through 16. What do you think of that? I think it's silly. I think it's silly. I think, okay. I, I think conference dominance is, cycl- is cyclical. If you look Agreed. in the 80s, you had the Celtics, the 76ers, the Bucks were phenomenal teams. The West, you had the Lakers. That was it, for the most part. Houston, you know, had Akeem, but they were not, other than that, they were, there was no real competition there. Um, in the 90s, you had, George, you had Chicago and Reggie Miller and this and that. You know, the, the, the West had decent teams. But, yep. you know, in the last, now admittedly, the last 10 to 15 years, you've had, the West has been more dominant from an overall standpoint, other than whoever LeBron's playing with. Yep. I think it's short-sighted. I, I really do. Um, at some point, this will probably turn around in the next, you know, I don't know when. I don't see any reason. I don't, I don't like it. It kind of, the whole idea is I like the idea of having separation in that regard. You know, and look, for now, look, to see a, a seven-game sac- uh, Houston Golden State Series would be awesome. But we'll see it in the conference finals, not the finals. So be it. Um, I, I disagree with the proposal, with the thought on it. Okay. So you're totally with staying. And, look, we talk about this in every sport, right? I mean, it definitely is cyclical that sometimes the AFC, the AFC is so much better than the NFC, right? And then the AL is so much better than the NL. I mean, we see this in every sport. In every sport we've had this well, maybe we should change the playoffs around. Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. Uh, I I think it's worked this way so far. <laughs> I, I think we've heard these arguments infinitum. I don't think there's any reason to change. I think the more we talk about it, the more stuff, the more Adam Silver talks about it, the more time Seth and I can spend on it on our show. But other than that, I don't think that there's any real cause of alarm nor cause to do anything. Okay, so let's move to a, a cause that we are all um, all aware of, and that is the cause of the unrestricted free agent in Major League Baseball. Because I mean, a hundred million just is not enough for some of these guys. So, so they have decided we're going to try and do a free agency camp for just the free agents the baseball union has, and voila, we have some signings. Eric Cosmer signs with San Diego. J.D. Martinez last night signs with the Red Sox. And spring training is here, although if you looked outside in Toronto, you wouldn't think so. But I hear in New York it's pretty nice. 
Now it's overcast, but it's around. It's in the high fifties. Yeah, uh, Hosner eight years, one hundred and sixty-four million. J- JD Martinez no, 44. five years, one forty-four. One forty-four, not one sixty-four. Definitely not one sixty-four. One forty-four. Martinez five years, one hundred and ten million. Um, you know the Hosner signing in San Diego kind of reminds me of the Jason Worth signing in Washington, in regards to. It's not from a financial standpoint. Is it the best deal that's out? This is the best deal that San Diego could offer. Probably not. But what you're trying to do is bring in a guy who has experience, a clubhouse leader who can be effective for the next five, four or five, six years. And then after that point, the last three years of his contract are 13 million a year, practically, you know, relatively reasonable. It's likely. garbage. Yeah, it's garbage. It's I mean, gar- the whole yeah. contract's the whole contract's garbage. The whole contract reeks. Of Scott Boris, which is exactly what he signed it for. So let's understand. This is the this must be the new wave, right? It's called let's front load the contract so the so the the uh, player gets what he wants. We're going to give him an opt out after a certain amount of years. So if he plays very very well, he can opt out of that contract and we'll get more money from either the same team or from another team. And if he doesn't play very well, he can continue in that contract without the, the team having the opportunity to opt out. So this is basically a, a player-friendly contract, which gets the player not everything he wants, but basically almost everything he wants, and gets the team absolutely no security whatsoever. That's what you call it. Not Fair saying enough. it's right, not saying it's wrong, but that's exactly what happens. So let's go through it. So Eric Hosmer gets $21 million the first five years of the contract. It's an eight-year deal. So it's five years, $105 million plus a $5 million signing bonus makes it $110. Let's assume that Eric Hosmer at age 32, which is 32-33, which is exactly what he will be at the end of that five-year term, has a crappy, crappy year and... They say, you know what, you have this opt-out, Eric, but let's understand that Scott Boris goes to Eric Hosmer and says, you have an opt-out, but there's no way you're going to get more than a million dollars because you're either hurt and you haven't played all year, or your your stacks are so crappy that there's no way that anybody would ever hire you at more than three or four million dollars a year. Oh, okay, then I'm not going to opt-out. Let the, let the Padres pay another 13 for the next two. Flip side. Eric Hosmer has a triple crown year in year four or year five. And Scott Boris goes, whoa, wait, you just had a triple crown year. Oh, okay, we can opt out and get another five years and another $150 million from somebody else. Yeah, let's do that. So the Padres don't get the last two years at $13 million. Either way, the Padres just got killed because there is no reason to pay Eric Hosmer five years, and $110 million. That's basically what it was, $21 million a year. You know how many other players got $21 million a year in Major League Baseball free agency this year? One that I can think of. Who? Uh, Who's one? J.D. JD Martinez. Well, now we got it. Right, but who got it before him? Right, nobody. Exactly. So now let's go to J.D. Martinez's deal, which is even more ludicrous. J.D. Martinez gets that out clause after two years. Not five, two. So if he has a good contract, a good year in the next two years, he gets to opt out and do this all over again. Now the difference between Martinez and Hosmer is that Hosmer is 28 and Martinez is already 30. So he wants that opt out quicker. These are... Scott Boris, infinitum contracts. I love them. I love the way that Boris does work because he can sell his client to say, I got you everything that you wanted. I got you your seven-year, eight-year deal. And he even more so has the right to get another commission in three or four years when the the customer, the client, the baseball player, opts out and gets another one. Great deals for the players. Awful deals by the Padres and by the Red Sox. Although the Red Sox... I guess got what they wanted. All right, they do. We got right, five we minutes. Hit on the five minutes left. We have a. All right, there's a lot to discuss because we didn't touch on the Olympics and everything that has gone along with along with it. Um, 
from uh, the Japanese figure skater winning his second consecutive gold medal for the first time in 60 years, nor the the success of the South of the, of the of South Korea and the and their medals, the controversies that that just don't seem to die between the Russian dopists in curling. I don't understand. Do you need to really push the damn thing harder? Um, North Korea's involvement in this. I, there is so we could probably do an entire show on this. Did you see? Did well, we you will. see the next week? We'll have our <laughs> Olympic recap next week. We're gonna have Fair our enough. Olympic recap next week. I think that's a great. But did I see what? I'm sorry. Did you see the Hungarian skier? How she qualified for the for the skiing half pipe? Did you see this? No, no, this I will have to look at that. L- look this up. Pretty much, she didn't do one trick. She just skied up and down, up and down. She found a loophole into the Olympics. Awesome. I love this woman already, I think, and I've yet to see her. Plus, you like her. You, you like her. She's tall and blonde. Hey, so, there you go. I mean, there you go. So, I mean, there's that. There's the skier who's never skied before, who, who's never placed fat, higher than 30th, who won the giant slalom. There's the... Adam uh, Rippon becoming the star of the Olympics, you know, even though he never, he was in tenth place, first U.S. gay, openly gay person to win a gold medal. So much to discuss on that end. I do want to talk actually, you know, very quickly about Ray Beltran, who you may or may not have ever heard of. You wouldn't have heard of him as a boxer, but the reason I'm bringing up he wins he wins a title on Friday night. But the rea- the amazing thing about him is he. If he lost this title fight, he may have been depo- him and his family may have been deported. And <laughs> so the, I'm right. dead serious. This this he's from Mexico. He's lived legally in, in Phoenix for years. He's got three kids. His visa is about to expire, and he would have had to return to Mexico unless he could secure a green card, which giving a certain a specific green card called an EB1 which would yep. allow him permanent residency as an extraordinary athlete. So he had to win this title fight on Friday night, which could give him a better chance of securing this as an extraordinary athlete, if you can believe this. So this is a guy who's also been kind of screwed a couple times on some bad decisions over the years. So he did win the, t- he did win the title fight on Friday night in a, in a decision, a pretty good fight out of what I saw. But it was more, I mean... Can you imagine that you not only to become a champion, but this allows you to become a become a full time resident, the permanent resident of the United States? Talk about pressure. So, congratulations to Ray Beltran. You can read about it on ESPN or any of the other sites. It's a pretty ridiculous story. Okay, so two things. First of all, we have about two minutes left. Number one is I thought Ray Beltran was related to Carlos, and that's the only reason I would know who Ray Beltran was. So, kudos Fair to enough. you for filling me that, filling me in on that. Number two, I am in love. Elizabeth Marion Sweeney. Yes, please. That was amazing. <laughs> you that you found it already? I just well, it's you, a minute forty. You talked for a minute forty-five, so that made all the sense I in could, the world for me to watch it. That was glad fantastic. I could be your assistant. And and I completely endorsed what she did because you're right. That is oh, you just sent it to me too, even though I saw it. But no, I, I sent you the uh, Ray Beltran story. But that is something I would absolutely endorse. It's something I would absolutely do without any yes, you would. Uh, look, that's Joel Emb- that's Joel Embiid. That's finding the loophole and doing it. And there's not I, I didn't see whether she qualified. Obviously you're telling me that she did. But nobody does that without knowing in advance that they're gonna qualify. So that is incredible. Incredible stuff. And she's hot. I mean there's just yes, that's why it's, I said it's like she's a, your... it, it's she, she's my dream girl. It's it's like a double it's like double duty here. I mean, it was fantastic. Totally on board with that. What are you sending me now? Ah, how a manager. Okay, so totally on board with that. We'll we'll actually link the post to Facebook because it's that good. I, I'm totally on board with this. Totally see this. Okay, so next week we're gonna have our Olympic review. Uh, spring training starts ne- uh, started already. If you haven't looked outside, it is kind of close to spring, but not really. But not really. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But the spring training stuff is coming. And then the week after we're, the week after is our NCAA uh, tournament preview. No, 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 we're not there yet. It's the week after that is our NCAA tournament review. We'll talk college basketball uh, two weeks from today. 
So this has been Sean well, before, Palmer from Toronto. Sorry, go ahead. From Toronto. Before you go, you should, everyone should Google you got Brad Doherty. Should Google Brad Doherty and look at his height on Wikipedia. It has him at six foot twelve. That is fantastic. <laughs> nice. That's that's my height. I always wanted to be six. There you go. Okay, for Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer, BlackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. We'll chat with you next week from the good old U.S. of A. Have a good week, everybody. Have, have a good one. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.